Why does the world care about how marriage is defined? Did you ever stop and think about that? Why do they care? I mean, if, if we want to say, you know what, we base this on the Bible and we believe according to the Bible that, that marriage is between one man and one woman, and because we believe that comes from the Bible, we believe any other definition is a distortion of God's plan, why does the world care? Why do they care what we believe about the definition of marriage? You ever think about that? Why does the world care what we believe of creation? Why does the world care that we hold the belief that it was created by God? The world was created by God. And not only that, it was created by God, but, but God himself recorded how he did it. He explains how he did it. And why does the world care if we believe that? And we base our, our thoughts on creation upon that. Why does it matter to the world? Why do they go and petition the courts that that might not spread and that they might stop, stop that? Why do they go to the school board down in Austin and try to, to change that and to deride and to mock that? Why do they care what opinion we have of creation? Why do they care if we believe this is God's word? You ever stop and think much about that? Why do they care if we believe this is God's word? What's it to them? Why why would they care? And, and why do they care if we believe this is the word of God? And so it, it holds the authority of God's speech to us. And, and why do they care if we deem it to be the truth? And so we decide to base our lives upon that. Why do they care? Why do they spend so much time debating that? And why do they relentlessly portray it as an ignorant superstition? Why does the world care if we believe this is the word of God? Why does the world care if we believe that all lives matter? Why does the world care that if we believe that even from the very earliest life, unborn life, to the oldest life, to every race and, and color of person, every, every people group, why do, we, uh, why do they care what we believe and, and why we hold value in that? And, and why does the world want to come and exclude some? And you look today and the world says, oh, we're inclusive, but some of these groups they want to exclude. Why does the world care the value that we place on life? Why does the world care? You ever stop and wonder today why there is such resistance? Why is there such resistance? Why all the fuss? Why do they really care what we believe about these issues? Listen to me today. Hear me today. It is because as followers of Jesus Christ, all of these issues have gospel implications. And the world has an issue not with what we believe. They don't care what we believe. The world has an issue not with what we hold is true. They don't care what we hold is true. The world has an issue with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why they care. Today in our message, we're going to address this truth. Today, as we continue our study here in Luke chapter 12, our sermon is entitled, When the Gospel Divides. When the Gospel Divides. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12, looking at just two verses, verses 11 and 12. Again, Luke chapter 12, today two verses, verses 11 and 12. When the Gospel Divides. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me, in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. 
Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. Jesus is speaking and he says this. When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you. I praise you. I worship you. I'm thankful that you love us. I'm thankful that through Christ we can have a new start today. We can be forgiven of the sins that we've committed against you. I'm thankful that we can have peace today, that we can have hope that endures today. I'm thankful that we can set down a huge weight that we, that we carry around under the condemnation of our sin and that we can leave here at rest with you. I thank you for that. I pray now that as we have, as we have witnessed these testimonies, we've seen the testimony of baptism, as we've come and praised you through music, and now as we begin to hear your word, I pray that you've been glorified And I pray now that you would move in our midst. And God, that's what we need today is a movement of God in our midst. I pray that whatever would hinder that would be removed. I pray that whatever would would usher that in again, that we would come and we would wisely seek that. But I pray that in this hour, your, your hand and your face would be evident. We love you. We praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today, as we pick up again in our our study of Luke's gospel, chapter 12, we find ourselves again in a discussion of the gospel. Today, as we continue our study, we again find ourselves in a discussion on the good news of who Jesus is. Now, understand, for the length of our study, really from the very start of our study here in Luke's gospel, so far, Jesus' goal, Jesus' mission has been to reveal himself as the Messiah. If you look, that's the purpose of so far the Gospel of Luke. Jesus has been revealing himself as the Christ, as the anointed of God come as the Savior of mankind. Now, he has said that to us very clearly. He has said that about himself very plainly. We also read that he has demonstrated that through many powerful and miraculous acts. We now find in the last couple of chapters that he is training others that they would be ready to proclaim the truth of who he is as well. And so be very clear, Jesus' purpose up to this point has been to reveal himself as the Christ. And so be clear, who is Jesus? In chapter 1, he is the promised holy child who shall be called the Son of God. That's in verse 35. In Luke chapter 2, he is the good news of great joy, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. In Luke chapter 3, he is the salvation of God. That's found in verse 6. In Luke chapter 4, he is the anointed preacher of the gospel who came to set the captives free, to bring sight to the blind, and to free those who are oppressed. In Luke chapter 5, he is the healer, confirming the truth that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. That's found in verse 24. In Luke chapter 6, he is the Lord of the Sabbath, 
the one who brings true rest. In Luke chapter 7, he is the only one who can give lasting peace. That's in verse 50. Then in Luke chapter 8, he is the one who can calm the very waves, causing the men to ask, who is this who commands even the winds and the waves? That's found in verse 25. In Luke chapter 9, he is, as reported by Peter, not Elijah, he is not John the Baptist, he is not some other prophet, he is not somebody who has come back from the dead, but rather he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. In Luke chapter 10, he is the Son who, empowered by the Spirit, praises the Father. Now there's some that say, well, the Trinity is not in the Bible. Well, we see the Trinity there in Luke chapter 10. As that Son, He is the exact revelation of the Father. Verses 21 and 22 tell us that. Then in Luke chapter 11, He is the victor over Satan. He has defeated Satan. He is the sign of Jonah, and He is the one who can clean not just the outside of a man, but the inside as well. Then as we move into Luke chapter 12, He is the judge with the authority to cast into hell. Friends, in these 12 and a half chapters, Jesus has made it very clear, He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. That's who He is. Well, after making that clear, here in chapter 12, in the second half of chapter 12, Jesus then draws a line in the sand. Here in chapter 12, it then becomes clear. Now listen to me. How you receive that truth, for for 12 and a half chapters, he's been telling us who he is. How you receive that truth will determine your eternity. If you, by faith, receive Jesus... If you by faith confess Jesus as the Christ, you will be saved. But at the same time, if you deny that truth, if you reject the truth of Jesus as the Christ, He correctly will cast you into hell. Really, that sums up the gospel message. As we looked at the last two weeks, faith in Jesus is the dividing line. Be very clear today. Understand this today. The gospel is, the good news is, you can have eternal life. Now understand, this is not some hard message. This is not some message of condemnation. No, the good news of the gospel is, you can be right with God. The good news is, you have a Savior. You need not go to hell. The good news is, whatever station your life is in today, you can have hope today. And that is the good news of the gospel. However, while that is good news, also understand this truth is not received by many people. In fact, this truth is not viewed as good news by most people. And that's what we're going to see here in our verses today. Now let's read these two verses, verses 11 and 12 together, and then we'll come back and pull some stuff out of them. Look at verses 11 and 12. 
Jesus is speaking, continuing, and he says this. When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Today as we continue our study, here in these two verses, we're going to see four additional things about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now maybe these four things are are things that we have passed over in the past, or maybe things that we have neglected to see in the past. But we're going to see from these these two verses four truths about the gospel of Jesus Christ. First truth today is this. The gospel of Jesus Christ, it is divisive. It is divisive. Notice here in these two verses that the proclamation of this truth, who Jesus is, the confession of this truth, who Jesus is, is divisive. Look here, there is now a line in the sand. There is now a side to take. Now here in the halfway point of chapter 12, there is no longer any neutral ground. Be sure and understand, the gospel of Jesus Christ is divisive. Friends, I cannot tell you a lie this morning. Today, in 2016, it is no different. I want to tell you very honestly today, the truth... The entire truth of the gospel today is still divisive. I want to tell you, the gospel today, when you look at the gospel, when you address the gospel, there is still no middle ground. Jesus himself said, we're either in or we're out. We're hot or we're cold. We're for or we're against. Here in Luke chapter 12, he says, we either confess the truth of who Jesus is, or we reject the truth of who Jesus is. That is the truth. The gospel is divisive. I will tell you, and I believe it is a ploy of Satan, but I will tell you today, we live in a day when that's not popular. We live in a day when that's not accepted. We live in an age when no matter what you say of Jesus or no matter what you believe of Jesus, when no matter what you say about the gospel, our goal is to just get along. Our goal, and it goes over all other goals, is to cooperate. And so in that movement, we're led to accept everyone's beliefs as valid. It doesn't matter what you believe of Jesus. It doesn't matter what you do not believe of Jesus. It doesn't matter what shade of that. We're led to believe that that can be valid. Well, listen to me today. Biblically, that is not correct. There is the truth. And there is only one truth. And any deviation or variation or denial of that truth, therefore, is a falsehood. So understand today, the gospel is divisive. We live in a time when people want to say, well, isn't that close enough? Well, isn't their heart right? Well, do not they have a good intent? 
Well, it's not that much different than the true gospel revealed in Scripture, and we want to accept it all. Biblically, that is incorrect. There is but one truth, and it is God's truth. So the first thing we see is the gospel is divisive. Second thing we see today, the second truth we see about the gospel is the gospel is disruptive. The gospel is disruptive. Now, now get this today, see this today, and I'm talking about you personally. If you hold to the truth of who Jesus is, if you truly understand who Jesus is, if you've placed your faith in the truth of Jesus, that changes everything. Do you understand that? If you believe who Jesus is and by faith you've received Him as your Lord, that changes everything. And that is disruptive. You see, you're no longer the Lord. He's now the Lord. You no longer get to set the priorities. He sets the priorities. You no longer get to say, well, it's my life and I'll live it how I want to live it. He says, take up your cross and follow Him. He says, it's no longer you who live, you've died, but rather he who lives in you. And I want to tell you, if you believe that, that changes everything. And that is disruptive. I want to tell you, I don't know that we're preaching that much anymore. Well, you can accept Christ, and as long as you're going to heaven, we're glad for you. And go back and live how you want to live. Doesn't matter if you honor Christ or not. It doesn't change anything. Look at the signs this morning. When you put your faith in Christ, it changes everything. And that is disruptive. Notice here in the verses who it disrupts. It says the synagogues. In this day, this was the, the Jewish religious center. If Jesus is who he says he is, you know what? It messes up the religious systems of the day. And and if if the confession of who Christ is 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 true, it messed up their religious practice. Well, guess what? It's not much difference today. If Jesus is who he says he is, it's going to mess up a lot of religious practice. goes on and says the rulers. That's talking about the regional magistrates or the regional governors. And if if Jesus is who he is, it's going to mess up how they, they govern those areas. And then it talks about the authorities are, are really the Roman courts or those with the ability to make an authoritative decision. And if Jesus is who he is, then it's going to disrupt them as well. And because the gospel is disruptive, they are opposed to the gospel. You know what? If Jesus is who he says he is, it's going to take away our power. It's going to take away our esteem. It's going to take away the things we profess as true. And because it disrupts everything, they are opposed to the gospel. Look at our nation. And I don't, I don't know how much TV you watch. Most of it's just garbage today anyway. But look, look at our nation. Very sadly, almost... Every major decision, and look at it, almost every major ruling, almost every major movement in the last 60 years has been opposed to the truth of who God is and in direct opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's in the United States of America. 
I'll just tell you today, and I, just, I watch all this garbage, all the election stuff and, and this and that. I'll just tell you today, it doesn't matter who we elect. It's going to just get worse because the gospel of Jesus Christ is disruptive. And let me just go ahead and add to that. Praise God that it is because we cannot be the same any longer. The gospel is disruptive. It changes everything. So we see here, the gospel is divisive. The gospel is disruptive. Third, we see now, the gospel, it is detrimental. It is detrimental. Now let me just go ahead and tell you, this may end up being the most unpopular message I've ever preached. You sit there and say, well, hey, I thought if we accepted Jesus, it's going to be health and wealth and prosperity. And now you're telling me that the gospel is divisive. It's going to cause problems. It's disruptive. It's going to change everything. Now you tell me it is detrimental. Won't find any bestseller books on that. Look at what it says. When. Don't miss that. One other translation says whenever. When. Listen to me. What that means is this. If you're a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, if you're standing upon the truth of who Jesus is, you will be brought into a situation that you're going to have to defend your faith. It says when. Notice it says here, in your defense. The words that you're going to speak in your defense. See the meaning behind that. In your defense. Understand, they're not asking what they believe of Jesus because they want information. They're not asking what they believe of Jesus because they want to start a conversation or a discussion. Understand, no, because it is divisive, because it is disruptive, now for Christians, it's about to be detrimental. Be sure you understand this. For this confession, Jesus was beaten And he was crucified. It was for this confession that he died. Understand, for this confession, Peter was jailed. He was beaten. He was crucified upside down. Understand, for this confession, James was beaten and his head was smashed in with rocks for this confession. For this confession, Paul was was persecuted greatly and he he was jailed and he was beaten many times savagely. And then one day he was beheaded. Understand for this confession, Christians throughout all of the ages of time, they've been chased and they've been persecuted and they've been chopped into pieces and they've been burned and they've been drowned for this confession. Understand that today in 2016, for this confession, there are Christians who are being jailed. There are Christians whose families are being drug away and raped. There are Christians today who are being crucified and beheaded. Yes, the truth is, the gospel is detrimental. Jesus doesn't try to hide that. The gospel is detrimental. So you ask today, so why would we proclaim it? It's divisive. It's disruptive. It's detrimental. Why would we ever proclaim it? Really, you ask, how can we proclaim it against that? How can we ever confess it? Last point of the day is this. Listen to me very carefully. The gospel of Jesus Christ. 
the gospel of, of God's love through us through Jesus, the gospel by which men are saved, listen to me today, is divinely empowered. Do you see that? The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is divinely empowered. Now don't fail to get this point today. If you miss anything today, do not miss this. Listen to me. The proclamation of the gospel, the confession of the gospel, what we believe of Jesus Christ is divinely empowered. Verse 11 and 12 says this. Do not worry. In the Greek it literally means Do not let your anxiousness grow. Do not build in worry. Do not build in anxiousness. Do not worry how to speak. How are you going to do it? Do not worry what you're going to speak. Do not worry what you're going to say. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour. Here you sit today, coming up on the end of February 2016, and I'm not sure what stage in life you are today. Maybe you're here and you're a younger person starting out and you've got big dreams and you've got plans. Maybe you're like me and you sit here today and you're a middle-aged person and you wonder what things you've done that had any significance and what you're going to do moving forward and how that's all going to fit together. Maybe you're here and you're an older person and you're wondering, well, what have I done with my life that has any value and what will I do in the years that I remain? Maybe you're here and you're you're going through tough situations in your life and you think, oh, I'm too far gone and and what am I ever going to do? And you sit here today in these seats and you say, you know what? I want to do something big. I want to do something that matters. I don't want to just exist in these days anymore, but I I want to do something that that, that is astounding. I want to do something that God's going to do through me and that it's supernatural. I want to do something powerful. Oh, that, that God wouldn't let me just burn up these days, but that He would empower me to do something marvelous. I want to do something in my life that matters. Listen to me today. Tell somebody about Jesus. It's divinely empowered see this today the Bible says God has given the order we know what we're supposed to do the Bible says God will give the opportunity I'm going to tell you if you're looking for opportunities and you ask God for opportunities he's going to give you an opportunity the Bible says He will give you the boldness. Oh, I could never do that. Somebody else better do that. The Bible says he's going to give you the boldness. Go and read the whole book of Acts. He takes average people, sinful people, and he gives them the boldness. Then he tells us in this verse, he's even going to lead us in what to say. He's going to give us the utterance, the words to say. Listen to me today. So now all that it takes is a person so in love with Jesus Christ, so astounded by the glory of the God that we serve, that they would be obedient and step out in faith and take God at His word and declare, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. 
Let me tell you something. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what spot in life you are. If you want to do something that truly matters, if you want to wake up in the morning with a, with a reason to get up until Jesus comes again, understand you're divinely empowered to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. Greatest thing we can ever do. Let's pray. Mary Father, we come. And I just tell you, I'm astounded by these two verses. And, and verses, really, I, I never really knew much about the meaning of them. But then I see that the culture can't accept the gospel and the world's uh, opposed to the gospel. And, and Satan has no room for the gospel because it leads to you. And it leads to peace. It leads to wholeness. It leads to eternal life. But then I see us, messed up people, you redeem us, you dust us off, you clean us up, you make our hearts new, you forgive us, you restore us, and then you empower us to tell people about Jesus. What a mission. What a purpose. God, I, I pray that you speak to us today, that you lead us today, that you change our perspective today. We tell you this, we love you. We praise you. Our desire is to be obedient to you. And I pray that you take us and use us for your glory. I pray now in this service that you would continue to work. I pray for some that may not know Christ that you would continue to draw. I pray that in this time of response there will be decisions, many decisions made for you. I pray that you would remove our pride, that you would remove any hindrance that we would have, that again that you would be free to meet with us at this time. I tell you once again, I submit the next few minutes to you. I ask that you would freely move, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close today with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you that this, this falls into two parts. First is this, you cannot publicly go around and profess others pointing them to Jesus until you've publicly professed what you believe of Jesus. And maybe you're here today. And you would say, you know what, I need to publicly take a stand for Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, well, what's, what's the big deal about the gospel anyway? Understand, through it, we have a new start. Through it, we're redeemed. If you're here today, I want to tell you, you're a sinner. The Bible says our sin earned us a punishment, death, separation from God now, but not only now for eternity. That's what we've earned. That's what you have and I have. The Bible says God loves you. That's the good news of the gospel. He loves you. He, he loves you and His love's not conditional. It's not based upon what you do. He loves you and His love doesn't end. His love is eternal. And He looks down and He says, Oh, I love you. He loves you so much He wants to be back in that relationship He created you for. And so He sends His Son, Jesus. He lives a life with no sin. He dies on the cross of Calvary, paying the punishment for your sin and for my sin take him off of that cross and they put him in a grave he's dead and I want to tell you three days later Easter Sunday morning he comes out of that grave and we really, really can't understand the significance of that he's defeated death he's paid the price for sin he's defeated crushed the serpent's head under his heel and settled we have peace we have a new start in Jesus Christ maybe you're here today and you'd say you know what I've never received that I've never understood Christ like that, that He's the Messiah. And so you would come and say today, you know what, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. The greatest thing you can do today is put your faith in Jesus Christ. In just a few moments, we're going to stand to sing.
And if that's you today and you'd say, you know what, today's the first day I understood it. Today's the first day it clicked. Or, 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 or today I've heard it so many times, but today I get it and I put my faith in Christ. Maybe you'd say it's the first time I've ever heard it. I want to give you a chance to say, today I settled. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing, you come and you meet me here. Don't need a bunch of words to say. Don't worry about what people think they're going to pray for you as you come. I settle it today. Settle it today. Maybe you're here and you've put your faith in Christ. Maybe it was recently. Maybe it was sometime in the past. But you need to follow in believer's baptism. And really that's the, the New Testament confession. That's how we show people what we believe in Jesus. And I believe there may be some here that say, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I know who Christ is. But I've never followed in believer's baptism after I knew what it was to be saved by immersion showing what we believe of Jesus that he, he went in a grave and he came out of that grave but more than that the good news our old self has died and our new self now lives with him there's some in this room that need to say well I'm a Christian but I need to follow a believer's baptism and I can testify to what I believe of Jesus Christ in just a moment you come as well maybe you're here looking for a church home and I'll just tell you, I believe you won't find a, a people more passionate about the cause of Jesus Christ than you will at Calvary Baptist Church. If you've prayed about it and you believe God's led you here, you'd come at this time and you'd say, you know what, I want to unite with this church for, for God's glory. We'll settle that this morning as well. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, I've done those things. But you know what, I've been distracted. You know what, I've taken up a different cause. But today I want God to renew in me a passion for professing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you want to pray at an altar. Maybe you want to pray here with me and just say, God, give me a renewed passion that I would stand not ashamed of the testimony of what I believe in Jesus Christ. Let this day be a turning point in your life. We're going to stand a seat. If you have a decision to make, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here at the front. If you stand a seat, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here at the front. Settle it today. Settle it today.